Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have Episode 7 of The Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zernt. Sally White goes to Newt's for a massage. Heliana comes home early and has a confrontation with Sally. Here we go. Newt, at age 74 now, tries to live a quiet life, set an example for the girl. The rest, he hopes, will take care of itself. He wheels the massage table out into the living room, the place that gets the most light, and readies himself for his first appointment. He doesn't have a business card or even a website. All of his business comes by word of mouth. Eight years ago to the day, Newt lost his only son. But Newt has learned not to mention this to people. They just want the knots and the stress worked out. They want their lives oiled, their souls exfoliated. But heaven forbid there be any mention of actual souls. Everything had to be holistic this and organic that. So Newt just kept his head and hands down and never said all that much. Besides, he almost had enough money now to ensure that Heliana would be taken care of, no matter when his time came. Not that Newt was worried. He'd lived a good, clean life. He'd eaten everything that had been put on his plate, and even though it had turned his stomach at times, Newt never complained. Not once. He sets the towels out on a chair, each of them still warm from the dryer. He doesn't go in for a lot of frills. The work, the healing, is all in the hands. When he first became a masseur, he tried satisfying every little request. No more, though. What people got was a quality massage, something tailored to the needs Newt felt in their body. His hands, after more than 40 years of moving muscle and tissue, knew where the trouble spots were and how to address them. If the customer could give him complete submission, then they would leave his home a changed person. Changed, that is, until life got its hands on them again and twisted their muscles back into pretzels. Ms. White is right on time. Newt doesn't smile when she comes in. He rarely does anymore. Instead, he takes her things, sets them on a bench near the window. When it's time for her to remove her blouse, he turns his back. No candles, no rocks, no soothing sounds of the ocean or whales moaning. Just silence. Newt focuses his attention on Ms. White's feet, pulling on her toes before rubbing his thumbs into the arches, which is why he doesn't immediately notice the bandage on the side of her head. The bulk of it had been hidden by her long raven black hair. Ravens, he remembers from the stories his mother told him as a boy, were the eternal signalers of death. If her hair should caw, Newt would know she wasn't long for the earth. All of his clients contained varying degrees of worry. It was in the skin, in the way it clutched itself or tried to ball itself up around its transgressions. But Newt could always find the truth, unearth the deceptions and flaws of the flesh. Ms. White had a higher level of worry than most. As of late, she was one of the clients he dreaded working on. But Newt's job, or so he liked to think anyway, 
was a sort of washing away, a scrubbing out of those worries. It was exactly because of this other, more exalted duty he performed that he justified the exorbitant amount he charged. What happened to your head? Her skin jumps a little under his fingers. Worriers startled easily. Through the hole in the table, Ms. White says, I drove into a soda can. Newt doesn't respond. He doesn't care much for sarcasm. It's a form of lying and something used all too often by Americans. He shrugs, decides he'll take it easy on her neck just in case. The first time he met Ms. White was at her animal clinic. He and Heliana had brought in his dog, Gunolf, because he'd been sick. Ms. White had been very gentle with the old dog. She ran her fingers through his fur, searching for answers, much in the same way Newt does. Cancer was her guess, but she couldn't be sure without any tests. Treatable if they got to work on him soon. No guarantees, though, she said, which made Newt smile. There was only one real guarantee in life. His son had taught him that much. Newt ended up refusing the tests, and he can still remember the look of judgment on Ms. White's face when he explained that it wasn't a question of money, but rather one of acceptance. The dog's time had come, simple as that, and he hoped that if the situation had been reversed, the dog would have shown him the same kind of humanity, so to speak, and spared him all the poking and prodding and pumping full of God knows what. He didn't see Ms. White again until she showed up in his parlor one day. She looked just as surprised as he was when they met again. Strangely, or maybe not so strangely, neither of them have mentioned the dog since. Newt focuses on the map of her body. She's an attractive woman, there's no doubt about that. She reminds him a little of his late wife. Newt still monitors himself checking from time to time for any kind of stirring inside him. But there's only the occasional small flicker, a spark somewhere in the basement of his soul, like the devil vainly trying to light a wet match. A taxi pulls up across the street, and a young couple steps out. Newt almost feels sorry for them. Usually does when he sees happy people. They were blind to the strings being pulled blind to the tests life had in store for them, and they would be tested. A midnight falls upon every man and woman, even people like Ms. White. I'm sorry, Ms. White says from the table, but you're kind of hurting me. Yes, Newt says, neither confirming nor denying the woman's claim, though he ratchets down the pressure some. They were all so sensitive saw pain as something to be avoided at all costs. Like the absence of pain somehow meant pleasure. But that wasn't true. The absence of pain just meant the absence of pain. And an absence cannot bring about anything. He peers through the window again. His son was an absence. Heliana had only been four at the time, just starting school but his son and his wife had decided they couldn't make it work anymore. Newt tried to convince his son not to get a divorce, to keep trying, that time would take care of whatever problems they had. But he refused to listen to Newt, 
So when another car had crossed the center line and hit his son's car head-on, Newt heard God loud and clear. This is what I'm taking from you. I will spare the girl, but she's your load to carry now. And that's exactly what Newt did. He raised Heliana as his own. The little bell above the front door dings, bringing Newt back from that day, back to Ms. White's stubborn calves. Hiya, Farfar. His Heliana, coming home from softball practice. Hello, Heli. Done already? Yes. Coach said we could go a little early since we all worked so hard. Newt can feel Ms. White's shoulders tensing up, bristling beneath his fingers. She raises her head from the table, stares at Heliana a moment before saying, Is it you? She then wraps the towel around herself and sits up. You were with that boy, with Carson. Newt watches Heliana. She's clearly trying to avoid eye contact with Ms. White. Can I go to my room, Farfar? She asks. I have homework to do yet. Of course, dear, but first, don't you think you should? Before he can finish, Heliana darts from the room so quickly you'd think the devil himself were sitting there on the table. Wait, Ms. White says, still clutching the towel to her chest. I need to talk with you. Whatever happened between the two, Newt doubts it was any fault of Heliana's. The girl only ever wanted to do good. Ever since her parents were taken, Newt's never seen anybody more intent on thriving in the midst of such undeserved wreckage. I need to talk to that girl, Ms. White says again. My things. Can I have my things? Newt hands her her clothes and turns his back again. Is there some sort of problem? Problem? The woman repeats, an ugly sort of chuckle escaping her lips. I suppose you could say that. She and some little boy tried to kill me a few days ago. Heliana? Oh, no. I think you've made some kind of mistake. I don't think so, Ms. White says. I chased after her and the boy, found them hiding in some kind of dilapidated fort in the woods. That girl said she knew who I was, said she knew what I'd done, whatever that meant. The woman's voice is bitter and full of fear. If Newt could massage it, he's sure he could help. When he hears her hop down from the table, he turns around to face her. Whatever did or didn't happen, he says as calmly as possible. I won't have you scaring that little girl. I think it's best if you leave now. Miss White stares at him for a moment in disbelief. Listen, she says after a bit. I'm sure you and the girl are decent people but I will not hesitate to call the police if you don't bring her out here right this minute. I need to know why she and that boy did what they did. I could have died. Do you understand that? Newt raises his eyes to the ceiling. The woman is clearly out of sorts, going on and on about pop cans and windshields. But he decides to give her another chance. Please sit down, he says, pulling out a chair for her. We'll talk about it, see if we can't get to the bottom of things, yes? Newt hears the click of the bedroom door, sees Heliana standing there. Good, Newt says. Now, let's see what this is all about. 
Heliana hesitates, her hand on the doorknob. I tried to stop him, she says. You have to believe me. But why? Miss White says. Why was he doing it in the first place? Heliana leaves the safety of her door, takes a seat beside Newt. I don't really know. All he said was that you were the one responsible for his father's death. That you were his father's lover. Ms. White places a hand to the bandage on her head. Her eyes are filling with tears. And why would he think that? He, he said he read a letter, something about how his dad loved you, but you broke it off. Ms. White begins to sniffle, and Heliana hands her a handkerchief from her pocket. Newt had given the handkerchief to Heliana years ago. Under different circumstances, it would have warmed his heart to see she still carried it. What I don't understand, Ms. White says, dabbing at her eyes, is how he found out. Heliana turns to Newt, her voice quiet now, almost like she hopes Ms. White won't be able to hear her. All I know is that if I hadn't grabbed his arm like I did, then she might not be sitting here right now. Ms. White stands, the color nearly gone from her face. I'm sorry. I should go now. Newt walks her to the door, apologizes for any misunderstanding with Heliana. And there won't, of course, be any charge for our session today. Well, I would hope not, Ms. White says, stopping in the doorway. For a moment, she looks like she might say something more, but then must change her mind because she walks out without another word. When Newt is alone with Heliana, he asks her to tell him what happened again, and she hangs her head a little before hopping up on the massage table. It was something she did often as a child, with Newt shooing her away most days, explaining that she didn't simply get a massage every time she felt like one. Not that this ever prevented the girl from trying. Over the years, it had become a sort of silent game they played. The girl hopping up on the table, Newt shaking his head, and Heliana hopping back down again. Today, though, Newt obliges her. I'm sorry, Heliana he says when she finishes recounting her version of what happened, but that doesn't sound like the Carson I know. Are you sure there isn't something you're not telling me? No, Farfar, it surprised me too. I never thought he'd actually go through with any of it. But why didn't you tell me about it after it happened? Heliana rolls over onto her back. I didn't want to go to jail. I would never let that happen, Haley. Never. I know. I'm sorry I kept a secret. Normally, Newt would talk to the boy's mother, but knowing what she's been dealing with lately, he decides he'll talk to the boy himself next time he sees him. The girl hops down from the table, is about to go back to her room when Newt stops her. Wait here, he says. I have something for you. Newt briefly disappears into the kitchen before returning with something cupped in his hand. It's the only unclothed one he's ever made for her, but he figures she was getting to be old enough now. I was going to give this to you tomorrow, but I suppose today might be even better. Is that what you've been working on in the basement lately? It is, 
he says, and hands the girl another small figurine for her collection. That one took me nearly three weeks to finish. Some of my best work, if I don't say so myself. Heliana holds the carved wood up to the light, studying it from different angles. She seems particularly interested in the fiddle the young man is holding, which fills Newt with no small amount of pride, as the fiddle, especially the strings, took some doing. I love it, Farfar. He's amazing, really. I'm glad, Newt says. That's Fossilgrim, by the way. The last of your collection? That's all there is? No, there are more. A lot more. That's all I remember from when I was a child, though. Will you tell me about him? Newt smiles. This is the bittersweet part. Telling Heliana the same story he'd once told her father when he was a boy. They sit on the couch together, and Newt takes his time, slowly unraveling the story of a spirit who dwells in waterfalls, forever playing his fiddle. But you have to be careful around Fossilgrim. While he's handsome, he sometimes uses this to trick people into coming into the waterfall with him. And if they've done him some wrong, he won't hesitate to drown them. So he really isn't all that cute. Some even say he can change into a fox whenever he needs to leave the waterfall. Newt isn't really sure how accurate what he's telling the girl is. His memory isn't what it used to be, and he's wondered at times if the stories have been too much for her. He started telling them at night, before bed, and she'd taken to them immediately. That's when he'd gotten the idea to make the carvings. Heliana would place them along the windowsill, over her bed, and make Newt tell her the stories over and over again. The figurines became like guardian angels, watching over the girl as she slept. That is, if a misfit group of ogres, trolls, witches, and fairies could be seen as guardian angels. For Heliana, though, that's exactly what they were. And over the years, she never seemed to grow out of them. So Newt kept making them in the basement. But the day when she would no longer believe, no longer turn to them for protection, was soon approaching. Newt understood this. As such, it was a day he dreaded more than anything else, since it meant his Heli would no longer be a little girl. When he finishes telling her the story, Heliana turns to him and says, I feel sorry for her. For who? Ms. White. I know what you mean, Heli. We're lucky, you and I. Newt takes Heliana's hand in his, gives it a gentle squeeze. He'll make her something to eat. Chicken nuggets, maybe. He bought the kind that are shaped like the letters of the alphabet. He knows she's too old for such nonsense, but he also knows she'll indulge him and smile when he spells out her name on the plate, just like he used to for another dear child so many years ago. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Wednesday for Episode 8 of The Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zernt. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me 
at kathycolis at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.